Welcome, everyone, to what I'll call a special edition of the Drive the Lane podcast. I'm Coach Bills Fan 187, filling in for Coach V. Here on a Tuesday evening, one day after the debut of what was a predictably unpredictable NTT, we saw a lot of top seeds go down, like we do every season, really. And it's hard to know which ones they'll be, but they're always there. Let's talk about who did lose. Uh, We saw one number one seed lose. It was Boise, a team that I really think is great, and I feel bad for their coach. Uh, So shout out to you, D. Crusoe. That's just a really tough way to have your season end after an awesome season all the way around. Uh, You know, winning a very tough conference in Conference 21, which I realize had a tough day of of its own as a conference. Uh, and to lose to a team like Branson, which, you know, no res- no disrespect whatsoever. I've seen the Branson coach on the message board, uh, you know, sort of celebrating the victory, and that that's great. But just a team that doesn't seem to have nearly as much talent as Boise. Uh, so that that's a tough one. We'll get to that uh, in more detail in a few minutes. But that was the only number one seed to lose, but three out of four number two seeds lost. Uh, Carson City, the only one to survive. But we saw Worcester go down. We saw Yakima go down and we saw Flagstaff go down. All really tough games. And, you know, everybody who makes the NTT is a good team, and I certainly don't mean to besmirch any of the 15 seeds. But, again, all of these games are upsets. And especially, you know, the one that stuck out to me, uh, I guess maybe partially because of the personal relationship I have this season with this team, uh, was Worcester's loss. I just did not expect Worcester to lose in the first round, Uh, probably not for a little while in the NTT. I mean, those of you who heard... The preview podcasts from Coach V and McVicker heard a lot of optimism for Worcester's chances. I think at least one of them picked Worcester to make the Final Four. And probably if I had been on that podcast, I may have made a similar proclamation. I mean, Worcester won the PNTT, um, beat my team in the final, has looked great all season long, and then just ran into a team in Fort Worth that got hot from three. I think Fort Worth shot 10 for 21 from three-point range to go ahead and win that game. So I don't know, you know, sometimes I look at the results of the first round of the NTT and I, like probably many of you, wonder whether there's anything programmed into the game. And I imagine K-Money would deny this and I imagine he'd be telling the truth, but it does feel sometimes like there's sort of an upset bug somewhere in there for the first round of the tournament in particular. Uh, More realistically, though, it's probably just the case that League 31 uh, has a lot more parity than the real NCAA. And, of course, even there, we've seen some monumental upsets in this season's NCAA tournament. Um, But, you know, there's just, there aren't going to be the same kinds of disparities between top seeds and bottom seeds in the NTT as there are in the NCAA tournament. And that's even assuming perfect seeding, right, perfect power ranking. And we know we don't have that. We have a shorter season, a lot of conference games, as many have discussed on the message boards. So it can be difficult to figure out which teams really are the best teams. Uh, and sometimes you'll see entire conferences being overrated or underrated. And if you look through the first round of the NTT, a couple of the biggest upsets came from teams in conferences that performed very well overall, at least within the NTT. I did not look through the entire conference to see how teams performed in the other tournaments. But, for example, if you look at Branson, a team that won that 116 game over Boise, you know, a game that I still think probably goes to Boise, eight or nine out of ten times, Branson is from Conference 17, won the regular season title in that conference, and two other teams from the conference won in the first round. Owensboro is an 11 seed over Miami in Region 3, and Cedar Rapids is an 11 seed over Rockford in Region 2. 
So that gives you a little clue that maybe Conference 17 is a bit stronger than the power rankings and most of us had thought. Again, that's not to say that anybody could have really seen this Branson over Boise upset coming. I doubt it makes Coach D. Crusoe feel any better. Um, but it just helps us to understand why a team that is in that number 16 seed you know, might be able to pull an upset like this because you know an entire conference can have a couple of bad results in the non-conference games early in the season, and then the whole conference sort of is undervalued throughout the entire year. Uh, candidly, I think another conference that is undervalued by the rankings, or at least was heading into the tournament, is Conference 27. Even though they've got a number one seed in Bakersfield, uh, it's just that conference has so much talent and Bakersfield is so good and is beating up on the other teams in it uh, that it might make the rest of the conference look a little bit worse. And it doesn't surprise me that a couple of teams from that conference advanced in the first round, even as, in theory, worse seeds. Uh, Fremont won as a 10 seed, something that you know the guys on the, co- on the podcast a couple nights ago did predict. Uh, and then Reno won as a 9 seed in Region 4. So not big upsets, but I guess I'm also sort of projecting forward I see those teams as real threats uh, to win a few more games in the NTT. And I'm guessing the conference ranking of Conference 27, which I think I think they're currently ranked fifth, if I've got it right, fourth, actually. Um, so obviously, it's not as if the conference is being disrespected, but I tend to think that might be the number one or two best conference in the whole country, uh, anchored by that Bakersfield team, which to me looks like the favorite to win the tournament. And did before the game on Monday, still does after its blowout win over Clearwater. But let's go through this in a little bit more of a granular manner before we sign off here. Uh, We'll go through each region. I think I want to talk about the most surprising results in round one, some of them I've already touched on, and then the most interesting matchup in round two. So in region one, you know, again, most of the biggest surprises are not going to be surprises out of my mouth, but they were surprises on the scoreboard. Uh, 15 seed Decatur takes down number two seed Flagstaff, coached by Tau of course, is active on the message boards and a great coach with a lot of success and a former NTT champion as well. Uh, I don't, I didn't go through and make picks before the games, so I don't know with certainty that I would have been shocked by this result, but certainly looking at these two teams now, uh, it does feel that way. I mean, Decatur is kind of a one-man band. Uh, they've got Elijah Butler, who scores 27 points a game, and then nobody else on the team averages double figures. Um, If you look at per 30-minute stats, his backup, Butler's backup, that point guard, does score 15.8 points per 30 minutes. But it's just not a very talented team overall. Uh, Won a very weak conference in Conference 7, and it just didn't really look like a team that was going to make a major threat in the NTT. Right? I mean, sometimes you can see these teams coming. You see a number 15 seed, and you think, wow, that team is clearly underranked. I hate to be playing them. Uh, There was the season... I don't know, it was maybe three seasons ago when Macon was a number 15 seed. And that was just a, a clearly dangerous team that went on to make the Elite Eight from that seeding position. Um, I don't see that in the future for Decatur. Now, Flagstaff is not maybe the most talented team in the entire country, but again, a very well-coached team, a very deep and balanced team, a team with a history of success in the NTT, a very strong defensive team led by Brian Town with 4.1 blocks per game, uh, 12.1 as a team, you just wouldn't expect a, a you know a one-man team like Decatur to be able to win a game against Flagstaff. Uh, it went, it was a close game. It was 71-67, but it wasn't even Butler, uh, the point guard I mentioned, who scores 27 points a game, who did you know so much of the damage for Decatur. He was the leading scorer, but 
He only he scored 23 points on 10 for 20 shooting, had five turnovers. His game score was actually in the single digits, if we exclude decimal points, 9.2. Um, his Elijah partner in the backcourt was more effective. Uh, Elijah Ardouin at shooting guard at 11 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 steals, and 3 blocks. Wow, for a game score of 29.5. Um, but this was just a, a low-scoring game. Both teams shot poorly. Uh, Flagstaff and Decatur both under 40%. And unfortunately for the better seed, Decatur was able to grind it out. So a tough way for the season to end for Flagstaff. But I, I wouldn't call this one the most shocking upset in the entire first round. Perhaps if this looked more like a normal NCAA tournament type, then it would. Uh, but given that there were two other 15 over 2 upsets and the one 16 over 1 upset, not to mention there was a 14 over 3 and three number 13 seeds beat four seeds, uh, you know, Flagstaff had shown some vulnerability down the stretch. Uh, they lost in the first round of the conference tournament to a team in Phoenix that is in the DTT. Um, they got beat twice by Tacoma this year. Tacoma won Conference 32's regular season. Um, Flagstaff also lost one other game. They had some very good non-conference wins early in the season, so I I don't mean to put them down, but, uh, you know, they had just been a little bit weaker over the last two weeks of the season heading into the NTT. So it's not a complete shock that they could lose, you know, before the Sweet 16, let's say, Uh, but certainly a very big surprise to see Decatur come out of that first-round matchup. Uh, Now, moving on to the most intriguing second-round matchup in Region 1, I would say it has to be the only 4-5 game left in the entire tournament. As I mentioned a moment ago, there was only one number 4 seed that advanced in the first round. That was Macon in Region 1, beating Duluth, by the way, uh, a pretty well-known program throughout League 31. So kudos to Macon for that win. Uh, And then the 5 seed Louisville, uh, which escaped with a 3-point win over Camden. So that is the only 4-5 game we've got on the board in the entire tournament. And I think it's safe to say it's probably the best-looking matchup, you know, who knows, but best-looking matchup in advance in Region 1. Macon is a team that, as I mentioned a few moments ago, made the Elite Eight of the NTT three seasons ago when senior Jose Pringle was a freshman. Pringle is, uh, I would call him a shot-blocking superstar, at least coming out of high school. He's a guy who blocked four or five shots a game in high school. Uh, His numbers this year are not quite on that level, two and a half blocks a game, but 1.6 steals, over 10 rebounds per game, very solid anchor in the middle. Uh, And he's surrounded by some good talent. Brian Rice, who scores almost 24 points a game. Andres Pineda, Pringle's fellow senior, who actually blocks more shots than he does at the power forward position at 6'8". He's got 3.3 blocks per game. Um, Block shots certainly are a good indicator of success in the NTT, and I think that bodes well for Macon. Uh, you may have seen on the message boards, though, Coach Golf Team talked about how the matchup against Louisville could be a tough one for them, and I can understand why. Uh, Louisville, a team that really gets most of its scoring, or almost all of its scoring, from the backcourt. So guys like Kevin Reynolds, who's the point guard for Louisville, 23.7 points a game. Andrew Griffin at shooting guard, over 24 points a game. Uh, and then Brendan Gore at small forward, really playing uh, six foot four small forward, kind of like a three guard starting lineup, scores over 15 points a game. So Macon's strength is defense inside, and Louisville's strength is scoring outside. Uh, they shoot over 36% from three. Don't take a ton of threes, but just get all that scoring from the backcourt. And if you take a look at Macon, their starting point guard, William Lovell, uh, only has uh, 0.2 steals per game. 
So you can understand why a golf team is worried about this matchup. And, but it should be a very interesting one. Two very strong teams. Macon at 18-1 and one with only the one loss coming in overtime to Tampa. Looks like still probably the favorite in this game to me despite that matchup issue. Um, but I think I, two very good teams, and it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. So moving down to Region 2 now, the biggest upset in this one, again, not difficult to identify, uh, the 15 over 2, Fort Worth over Worcester. Uh, I talked about Worcester a little bit in the open. Worcester, the PNTT champion, great run throughout that tournament, and then has really backed it up with an awesome season. Won Conference 2's regular season. Did stumble in the Conference 2 tournament. New York City ended up winning that one. So like Flagstaff, it's safe to say that Worcester's best basketball is sort of behind it. You know, it happened early in the season, and of late they've stumbled a little bit. Lost that game to NYC in the conference tournament. Also lost to Cambridge a few weeks ago. But the overall resume remains very strong for this Worcester team. And so anybody who saw them losing to Fort Worth, a 15 seed out of perennially, you know, rather weak Conference 25, um, I guess that's not fair to say. Conference 25 has, has a more mixed history a couple of NTT championships under its belt uh, for Lubbock, and I believe Laramie won one as well. Um, but not one of the absolute strongest conferences in the country. And then if you look at Fort Worth, just not a team with a ton of talent, at least according to the recruiting rankings. Uh, going down freshmen through seniors, there's only one class that has even one hard, one ranking, either hardwood or sim hoops, that's in the double digits. It's the junior class, the 87 hardwood, 154 sim hoops. So even that one is only in the top 100 in one of the publications. Uh, the other three classes, all within the 100s. So, you know, recruiting rankings aren't everything. Of course, coaching and chemistry and individual talent can make a big difference. Um, but this is also a team that was 11-7 and seven coming into the NTT. Uh, so, you know, and even now, after the win, has given up a better shooting percentage to its opponents than it has managed itself uh, and has barely a positive scoring margin. You know, I'm not oh, enough of a math whiz to be able to suggest, to be able to say whether or not this team had a positive scoring margin before this win. Um, but right now they're at 75.6 points a game and 75.4 against. And they just won this game over Worcester by nine points. So, you know, a razor thin scoring margin one way or the other against a team that, you know, beat some of the better teams in the country in the preseason tournament, you know, now has a trophy to its name and then won a very competitive conference too. So kind of a head-scratching result. Fort Worth went 10 for 21 from three. Um, perhaps you could say it, the game is explainable in the sense that Worcester, just like Macon, as we were discussing, has a very strong interior defense led by the freshman Joaquin Erickson, you know, a great shot blocker. And Fort Worth just, you know, kept the ball behind the arc and made a lot of shots as upset teams tend to do in the NCAA tournament. But even with that explanation, this one, again, is, is pretty hard to explain and pretty hard to stomach, I'm sure, for Statwolf, who has just done an awesome job with that Worcester program. So uh, I think that team has very strong days ahead of it, you know, Worcester, that is, losing, uh, you know, an awesome starting point guard in Robbie Edison, but bringing back a lot of talent. Certainly looks to be a program on the rise. So a tough one, but imagine they'll be here, heard from in the future. So now moving on to what I would call the most intriguing round two matchup. Uh, I think there are a lot of candidates here. Uh, I think this is a very balanced region. Um, just going down the list, I mean, Waterloo, the number one seed, advanced, has been very good of late. Uh, certainly a deserving one seed coming out of a tough Conference 18. 
But, you know, they're going to have a tough round two matchup against Peoria, a team that, uh, I don't know if you know people have noticed, but hasn't lost since it's changed its lineup. Uh, Peoria lost four in a row to go four and four through its first eight games, and since then has not lost uh, since they made a lineup change. They moved Christian Tucker into the starting lineup at center, and Jonathan Lacoste moved from center to power forward. Short version, they've now got, well, I guess it's kind of ironic that I say short version, They've now got two seven-footers in the starting lineup and haven't lost with those two guys in there. Tucker had been on the bench as a backup center, uh, and they've really been on a roll. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I would even call that one the best matchup of the region, but that just shows you those are two teams that might be more evenly matched than than the seeds would suggest. So I think that's a good game. Uh, There's a 13-12 matchup, Norfolk against Virginia Beach, maybe a local rivalry there, I don't know, but... Uh, two teams that I think are deserving of being in the second round. Uh, Norfolk beat a team in Salem that I know was a popular Elite Eight pick on the podcast a few nights ago, uh, and a team that I know well from our battles in Conference 31. Virginia Beach got by San Jose in the first round. Um, but if you take a look at those two teams, they, they both have some talent, especially in the senior class. Um, so that's a good game. Uh, I do like Fremont to take care of Fort Worth in the other game, on the third game there on the list. Uh, but I'm going to save, I would call, the most intriguing second-round matchup for this last one, Ann Arbor, the Bing Bongs, against Cedar Rapids, uh, the much-disrespected cheese eaters, uh, disrespected on this podcast, as their city name will not be pronounced correctly by our usual host. Uh, but I just think this is a really interesting game. Ann Arbor, perennially a top team for the last few seasons, uh, really since they brought in what is now the senior class for them. Austin Rodriguez... Uh, the senior point guard, and Alexis Norton, senior power forward, have been in the NTT each of their four seasons uh, and have had progressively better finishes thus far. As freshmen, uh, they lost in the first round but then won their next five, so they finished 33rd in the NTT. Uh, as sophomores, they finished 20th in the NTT. And then as freshmen, they made the Sweet 16 and finished 13th. So, you know, it's not as if this team has been in the Final Four, but they've been among the top teams in the country in the power rankings heading into the tournament, a number of times, uh, and then, as I say, I've had progressively better results in the NTT. And now, this best class on the team is senior, so this is going to be a very tough out for anybody. Um, Cedar Rapids is almost the reverse, in the sense that uh, it's not to say that they haven't had NTT success, they certainly have, but just in terms of their recruiting rankings, uh, the seniors are the worst class for Cedar Rapids. Uh, it's a 155 hardwood, 217 sim hoops class. After that, this team is as talented as anybody. Um, they've got a 15-11 junior class and a 21-10 freshman class. I know this was discussed a little bit on the podcast the other day, um, but you know, certainly a scary team to be facing. You take a look and you see they're an 11 seed, and maybe you think, okay, this could be a good matchup, but not with the kind of talent they have. So to me, this game will really come down to how important seniors are. It'll be a little bit of an indicator for us, because uh, I think... If you ignore in which class various players are, these teams are somewhat similar in terms of overall talent. But Ann Arbor has talent more concentrated in those upper-class ranks with the great senior class. And Cedar Rapids is a team that may be better next year than it is this year. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, a good history of NTT success, even just two seasons ago, uh, the team, Cedar Rapids, finished uh, eighth in the NTT, meaning they made the Elite Eight and, and weren't able to win a game after that, but still a great accomplishment. Um, so a good team. I think it'll be a very interesting game. 
uh, I, you know, you have to figure that the edge would go to Ann Arbor just because of the seniors, frankly. Uh, but I think two good teams, and as I say, a very balanced region. It, it would be very difficult. I'm glad I'm not putting myself in the position of having to choose a champion in this region. Um, I will I will only make the following bold prediction. I don't see Fort Worth coming out of the region. Other than that, I really do think any of the other seven teams that are still left in Region 2 could win the region. Uh, I think each one of them has the talent to make it happen. By contrast, in Region 3, although there are some very good teams, uh, really another strong region, there's really only one team that you can look at as the favorite, right? I mean, it's got to be Bakersfield. Bakersfield having won the NTT last season and then brought in, bringing in you know, the 2-1 freshman class, uh, two sim hoops, one hardwood, probably the way you'd want to do it if you were going to bring in a 2-1 class one way or the other. Uh, so you know, this team has been on a roll since losing its first game of the season uh, and just sort of winning by progressively larger margins, it seems. Uh, and so we'll get to them in a minute in our most intriguing round two matchup. But first, uh, you know, the biggest upset in this region is actually not obvious to me, even though there was a 15 over a two, uh, Albany defeating Yakima. I, I don't think that was necessarily the biggest surprise in this region. In fact, if you heard the podcast the other day, you heard Coach V predict that Albany would win that game. Uh, and Conference 4 is one of those conferences that appears to have been somewhat underranked. Um, we talked earlier about Conference 17 in that vein, but if you look throughout this tournament, there also was a 14 seed in this from this conference in Cooperstown that won its first round matchup by 15 points, in fact, over the number three seed Pensacola in Region 1. So it makes you think, again, Conference 4 may just have been somewhat underranked systematically. And Albany also has a really strong senior class led by the awesome starting center Tyrus Worley, who just has, you know, I wouldn't quite say video game numbers, but really great sim sports numbers. I mean, 11.7 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 3.6 blocks, under a turnover per game. Uh, this guy really does it all besides score. So I, I just don't see that 15 over 2 as the biggest upset in this region. Um, it's not obvious to me what was. There was a 13 over 4. Charlotte beat Montpelier. Montpelier, a team that I know the guys on the podcast the other night liked a lot, and for good reason. But Charlotte is a team with a lot of recent NTT success. Uh, you know, if it weren't for Bakersfield in this region, I could see myself thinking Charlotte would come out of the region, even as a 13 seed. When you look at the talent they have, you look at their recent NTT finishes, uh, made the championship game three seasons ago. Uh, you know, this team is for real. So I do not see that 13 over four matchup, as good as Montpelier is, as being a big shock. Um, the other upset on the board in this region, you know, just in terms of seeds, was Owensboro over Miami. But we talked about how Conference 7, or excuse me, Conference 17, looks to have been underranked based on the performances of Branson and Cedar Rapids and Owensboro. And on resume, Owensboro looks like it may have been the best team of those three. So I don't see that as a pretty particularly big upset either. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give a little love to my conference mate, uh, Olympia. Hopefully... <laughs> their coach Thurm will view it that way as opposed to being a slight when I say, you know, it's a surprise and highlighting it here. You know, it was only a 10 over a 7 win for Olympia over Fargo, but I just think Olympia's season as a whole has been a bit of a surprise. I mean, this is a team that two seasons ago was in the DTT. Last year managed to make the PTT, but then brought in a freshman class that, you know, wasn't respected that well by the magazines. 
Uh, so it's a testament to Seth Hudson and Matthew Miller, the backcourt for that Olympia team, uh, the sophomores who were ranked very well, 17 hardwood, nine sim hoops. Uh, really, as soon as they've stepped on campus for Olympia, this team has been much, much better and you know, a force to be reckoned with in a, a well-ranked conference in Conference 31. But you know, even I, a team that has seen Olympia and has understood what they've been able to accomplish this year, uh, didn't necessarily see a round one win coming for this group, just because Fargo, their opponent, um, you know, fell on hard times in recruiting this past season, but still has a consensus top seven senior class, uh, seven hardwood, five sim hoops with Matthew Griffin and Michael McKinney, um, as well as Braden Stinson, who's sort of in and out of the starting lineup. Uh, you know, so it's not as if Fargo is quite the same team that it was four seasons ago when it made the Final Four, or even three seasons ago when it finished ninth in the NTT. Um, but I still would have thought that there was enough left in the cupboard for Fargo to win this game over Olympia. So just, again, a lot of credit to Coach Thurm, credit to Seth Hudson and Matthew Miller uh, for pulling off that upset uh, on the seed line and, and in my mind as well in round one. Uh, now, I do think the most intriguing matchup of Region 3 is, is somewhat tough to call in, in some sense. I mean, if, if I were going with most intriguing matchup based on point spread, I'd probably say something like Charlotte over, uh, versus St. Paul. I, you know, I talked up Charlotte just a few moments ago. I do think Charlotte's really good, and I think St. Paul certainly is a deserving number 5 seed, um, you know, a perennial contender as well. Uh, I also think Lancaster versus Owensboro could be a very good game. Lancaster is a team that I really didn't talk about much, but, you know, a dominant round one win, 99-65, and a lot of talent. So, you know, you got to consider them the favorite over Owensboro, but I, I really think Owensboro is a very strong team as well. Um, Aiden Ortega at the center with five blocks per 30 minutes. Pretty unbelievable. Uh, so I think both of those games are great games, but in this region, if Bakersfield is playing a good team, that's got to be the most intriguing matchup of a round, in my opinion. And when it's Lansing, one of the best programs in League 31 history, you know, that just makes it that much better. So uh, to me, that's the most intriguing matchup of this round. You know, Bakersfield is the best team in the country. They're ranked number one right now. They're, they're the defending champs. Lansing uh, is a team that has struggled at times this season in, you know, what is always a very competitive Conference 15. Um, but just, you know, I would imagine that would be one of the last teams you would want to face in the second round of the tournament as Bakersfield, right? I mean, you just think Bakersfield is going to be the favorite against almost anybody or maybe anybody right now. Um, but a team with the pedigree of Lansing and the consistent success and the talent as well, although admittedly, uh, you know, just based on recruiting rankings, it's, it's not quite at the level that it sometimes is. Um, it's just... That's that's a tough one. You don't really want to see them. So it's not so much that I think this will be a, a classic game. I, I think Bakersfield is better and will win. But it, it's just hard not to view this as the most intriguing matchup. But my overall takeaway on this region is I feel bad for some of the other teams in it. Uh, I think Charlotte and St. Paul are very good teams that unfortunately have to play each other in round two and then likely would get Bakersfield in the next round. Um, Lancaster and Owensboro, again, I think are very strong teams. Uh, I feel bad for both of them in the sense that I could see either of them losing. Owensboro, you know, is in, in that 11 seed spot. So, uh, you know, they, in theory, supposed to be happy with winning in round one, but I think they have the talent to make the Sweet 16. Um, it's just going to be difficult to do that playing Lancaster. But it's just, it's very hard to imagine some other team besides Bakersfield coming out of this region. It happens 
every season seemingly in the NTT, right? Teams that we don't expect will win. So and and teams that we expect to win, to romp will lose. So it can happen, but until we see it, got to figure Bakersfield is the prevailing favorite to win in that region. Uh, now, finally, we'll talk about Region 4. I already sort of spoiled the most surprising result in that one. It's got to be Branson over Boise. Uh, Boise is a team that has allowed barely over 70 points per game on the season, and that's including this last game against Branson. And Branson scored 107 points, won 107 to 95 in that game. So that, that just really has to leave a bad taste in the mouth of Coach D. Crusoe. Um, you know, I mean... Good for Branson. Again, there was a lineup change made there. Uh, admittedly, I haven't noticed yet what it was. Reed Gebauer, Fulton, Holcomb, Vaughn were the starters in the conference tournament final. Um, I, I see them as the starters in the first round of the NTT as well. So whatever the lineup change was is a little too subtle for me to pick up on right now. Um, but, you know, credit to Luke Reed, point guard, 27 points, great performance. Credit to Derek Fulton, a good player, 23 points at small forward. Um, again, Branson comes from a conference that looks to be pretty strong, and Branson managed to win that conference in the regular season, so certainly this must be a good team, but not one that I would expect to be better than Boise. And I wouldn't think they'll get by Reno in round two, um, which is a very strong team as well. I sort of already talked about how good I think conference 27 might be. Um, so in terms of the most intriguing matchup moving forward for round two, uh, I think I would go with Chicago versus New Orleans. Chicago, another number 13 seed that advanced. Again, three number 13 seeds beat number four seeds. Uh, and Chicago won its game in dominating fashion, 96 to 69 over the four seed Pittsburgh. You know, if you just saw that score and didn't know which team was the four seed and which team was the 13 seed, you'd certainly guess it incorrectly. Um, but, you know, again, it's not as if Chicago, you can't understand how they might be good. They've got uh, the number one ranked sophomore class, according to Sim Hoops, uh, number three hardwood, number one Sim Hoops, another team that's been in the NTT consistently over the past few seasons, and they're 16-3. and three. You know, their strength of schedule is below 200, but I'm a believer that those teams can be dangerous in the NTT, a team that really has played a weak schedule. I think it sort of goes against conventional wisdom. Uh, on these podcasts in general, the teams with the stronger strengths of schedule are, are sort of favored, and I certainly understand why. You, you've seen those teams beat other good teams in the past. Uh, of course, there's going to be more variability among the teams that have played poor schedules. But to me, if a team is, you know, say, 17-1, and one, heading into the NTT against a bad schedule, you really just don't know how good or bad that team is. You wouldn't want to count on them and bet your house on them making the Final Four, uh, but it's they're sort of a wild card. You, you, know, you don't know how good or bad they are because they haven't played against good competition. Um, that's not to say there are no other indicators, but you, know, you take a look at Chicago. They've lost three games, all to teams that made the NTT, and two of them were against Duluth. Uh, and not by, you know, a large margin either. You know, so uh, Duluth lost in the first round. Duluth is not what it used to be. Uh, but that team still has Tippins and Sullivan. So I just don't, I don't think there's any shame in losing to them twice. Um, you know, you could imagine, certainly, having a team that doesn't match up very well against a team with two stars. And that might be the case for Chicago. Um, 
Chicago also has a win this season over a number one seed, a team that's still left in the tournament in Waterloo. So, you know, despite the weak schedule overall, Chicago has, you know, one of the best wins in the whole country with that win over Waterloo. So I see them as being for real. Now, of course, you know, so is New Orleans, right? I mean, the Ninjas are the number five seed for a reason, coming out of Conference 12. Overall, more talent on this New Orleans team. Uh, three really nice-looking classes, including a senior class that is ranked 24, 23, hardwood, sim hoops, led by the senior center, Devin Coteau, 13 points, almost 12 rebounds a game. You know, a good player. And, you know, a nice season for New Orleans as well, and certainly a better strength of schedule. They're actually ranked uh, number seventh in strength of schedule. So two contrasting resumes between these two teams. Um, you know, New Orleans has an out-of-conference matchup against Bakersfield, which, which didn't go so well, but still. Uh, you know, some tough losses in their conference, uh, including the Pensacola, which got a three seed, and Miami, which got a six seed. Uh, what I find interesting about this New Orleans team is it's the only team from Conference 12 to have advanced in the NTT in the first round. As I just mentioned, both Pensacola and Miami got top six seeds, uh, but they were both upset in round one. Pensacola convincingly in a 3-14 game. So I sort of have my eye on Conference 12 as a conference that potentially might not be as strong as the rankings thought it was. So it's really up, it's up to New Orleans to prove that impression wrong, I guess. And I do think they've got a tall task against this Chicago team. Uh, again, New Orleans does seem to have more overall talent, um, but Chicago is not far behind in that area. So I think that's going to be a good game. I don't know that I necessarily see either of those teams beating what I would imagine would be Reno in the next round, but they're certainly capable teams and could do so. Um, and then just to sort of close it out in the bottom half of Region 4, just quickly... Carson City from my conference has had an awesome season. They have a lot of talent, especially in the younger classes. Um, I think they might be too much for Dallas, though who knows, of course. Uh, and I, I do like Colorado Springs over Omaha in that six over three game. Uh, Omaha is a good team. They were consistently the best team in Conference 24 this season, conference that gets a lot of discussion on the message boards. Um, but just the overall talent level there, if you do trust recruiting rankings, doesn't quite look up to the, the level of Colorado Springs, which has some very talented upperclassmen. Um, so if it's me, uh, I'm thinking Reno versus Carson City in the championship, uh, or excuse me, in the Elite Eight for that region. But who the heck knows? That's why they play the same games. Anyway, hope this has been enjoyable for someone. Uh, I think I'll sign off at this point, and we'll talk maybe in a few more days, or perhaps your regular host, Coach V, will be back. Thanks a lot.